Welcome to Wrestling City Podcast, a pro wrestling podcast. My name is Mike. I'm here with Ryan this morning, and we are here to talk all things pro wrestling, and we are going to kick things off with Impact Wrestling. We have a new Impact World Heavyweight Champion, who is Eric Young, and to talk about all things Impact Wrestling, Ryan, the floor is yours, my good friend. Sure thing. So, Eddie Edwards going... On his open challenge, um, he accepted a challenge from Eric Young last week, turned into their match this week. Um, It's a good little match, not a clean finish, so I know we'll probably head back there again, but in the end, Eric Young used his hockey mask, hit um, Eddie Edwards over the head with a hockey mask, went to the pile driver, picked up the victory, new Impact World Champion Eric Young. So, like I said, not a clean victory, so I expect that we're probably going back there. They have a seven, eight weeks bound for glory. Um, I don't know if we'll wait that long or if they'll do something in between, but it does seem like uh, the story is not done. So, back in the days of TNA wrestling, does Impact Wrestling do the bound for glory challenge like uh, TNA used to do? You know, I don't know. I don't think so. Because the Bound for Glory Challenge was actually cool. Back in 2011, I went to Bound for Glory in Philadelphia at the LaCorus Center. And Bobby Roode, who is now Robert Roode in WWE, won the first Bound for Glory Challenge and challenged Kurt Angle in the main event for the world title, which was a fairly good match. But by the time we got to the end of the event, it was kind of a little bit of a downer because we had so many good matches. We had RVD, um, who was in a hardcore match with Jerry Lynn. We had AJ Styles, who took on um, Christopher Daniels in a I Quit match. And we had Hogan and Sting in a winner pretty much took power of TNA wrestling. Um... And the Battle for Glory series was so awesome and so unique, and I really hope that Impact brings that back. Because that's when wins and losses matter. And speaking of wins and losses, AEW, they do that. Uh, we're going to get into AEW a little bit, but... It was so cool that the Bound for Glory... I, I really hope that Impact does bring back the, the Bound for Glory Challenge because that would be really, really cool to see. Such a unique way of doing things uh, to, to have your number one well, at Bound for Glory. Well, to, uh, to let, me, let me build off that. There, there are a lot of unique things happening in, in Impact these days. Um, the Wrestle House series culminated on this week's show. So the whole premise of this was it was like a reality TV show style thing, but what was really happening is Rosemary was trapping them there with her superpowers in this house, and she was wait she was going to do it as long as it took Johnny Bravo to realize and um, basically express his feelings for her. Really, as I as I say all this, it sounds really hokey for a wrestling show, but. And it was. It was. I, I mean, the first two, three weeks, I was really not liking it. But by the time the whole thing wrapped up, I actually kind of enjoyed the experience. So it was really very unique style. They did have matches throughout. Um, the last match that they had was uh, Taya Valkyrie versus Rosemary. 
and everything was on the line. That's what they said. Everything, mm-hmm. including Johnny Bravo. <laughs> and at the end of so, that match, we got a good, we got a a huge surprise, an engagement. A, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> Rosemary got a surprise. It was really <laughs> funny because you know Taya Valkyrie won the match, and so she, in theory, won everything, including. Johnny Bravo, but he's but he said, yeah, well, forget that. He gets down on one knee and proposes to Rosemary, and of course, Rosemary's response is, "You know, we're a demon, right?" <laughs> so it was a it was a really like feel good comedic series of uh, a few minutes there on, on Impact Wrestling this week, but. I can't believe we're talking this much about it because when we first started Wrestle House on that show, I was like, gag me. <laughs> but I really did like it in the end. The, the one cool thing that I noticed, and like I said last week, is I don't really get to watch Impact Wrestling because I don't have access, but I do have, quote-unquote, access to seeing some things that happen. And we got a very unique tag match that happened inside, and it all culminated with Tommy Dreamer saying, wrestling match? We had a hardcore match in the house, did we not? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It was Triple XL battling with the Deaners because because somebody stole the Deaners beer and they (laughs) could not figure out who it was, but the Deaners became Triple XL. So they had this. I mean, you can call it a match. But there was no there was no attempt at a pin at any point, and and so they fought all over this house, which this house must be you know twenty thousand square feet. Uh, it's more like a factory. Um, but in the end, what happened is uh, cousin Jake is getting ready to you know do in uh, Larry D, and Susie walks in, and Susie and Susie has a moment, and the camera goes away. The next thing we know, Susie's walking out of the room with blood on her hands. And Tommy Dreamer peeks in the room and says, oh, my God. Comes back, raises Susie's hand and said, I think you're the winner of the match. <laughs> so so she, had a, she had a momentary Sue Young lapse. And uh, impact is crazy time. <laughs> it's, it's so impact. Well, I think it's really cool that... Impact has a lot of guys that we've seen from our past, like Tommy Dreamer, RVD, Ken Shamrock. And even though they're at the point in their lives where they're at, you know, in their careers, they're still very relevant, which is really just, in my eyes as a wrestling fan, pretty awesome thing. And I'm a huge Tommy Dreamer fan. I I, I like Tommy Dreamer. I've always liked Tommy Dreamer. Yeah, you got to love Tommy Dreamer and... and- you mentioned RVD. You mentioned Dreamer. The other guy that's there, who is who is still kind of a top guy as far as Impact goes, they could give this guy a world championship match at any moment, is Rhino. And he had a match on Impact this past week with uh, against Reno Scum. And there's a big backstory here about uh, Rhino beating Hernandez in an arm wrestling match and winning his money, and then Reno Scum were the hitmen to steal the money back for Hernandez. So then we got in this handicap match situation. But Ryan Impact, his tag team partner who's unemployed, he's he's Slater. 
Heath Miller, call him what you will, um, trying to get a job at Impact. Heath was posing as a cameraman during the match, and then all of a sudden he jumped in the ring and uh, and did in Reno Stump, and Rhino got the victory. But so I credited Heath Slater with a win there, even though he wasn't formally under contract. Um, he was a big part of it. So then he got chased out of the building by Scott Moore. So so it's almost like it's almost like with the playing what we've seen a few years back when Rhino and Heath Slater teamed up and won the SmackDown Tag Team Titles. Yeah, it's it, it is it is, and yes, there's plenty of references to he's got kids, right? He's still got kids, is what they say. <laughs> Get the guy a job. I mean, I I really hope that Heath Slater in the coming weeks does something a little better and bigger in Impact. I mean, in WWE he was good. I like Heath Slater, but he's in a place right now where he has the opportunity to do anything he wants to, and pretty much evolve himself not only as just a character but as a person in a company and I really hope they don't play on that too much and make it a WWE-esque type of deal well you know I, I listened to uh, or I watched Heath Slater on the on Chris Van Fleet's YouTube show um, right after he was released he really uh, to me it seems like he really took this to heart he, he realizes that he was content at WWE and he went crazy I mean he he looks different right he's built he's toned he's you know he's he really took an effort to use this 90 day non-compete time to improve himself and right before that 90 days was up WWE brought him back for a you know squash match with Drew McIntyre and I'm telling you like you know that was impressive. They gave Heath Slater the mic for probably the first time in the entire time they employed him, just about. And he cut a promo on Drew McIntyre that I thought for sure they'd hire him back on the spot, but he was probably already under contract with Impact. So It was almost like a situation of, um, of um, and, and the name's drawing my blank on NXT. Um, might have to help me out here a little bit. Oh, uh, uh, Drake Maverick. Drake Maverick, yeah. Yeah, he was let go and cut that huge promo online, that 10-minute promo, and came back to NXT, and they gave him a contract after the uh, the Cruiserweight Challenge for the title. Yeah, and then, so then one more thing um, from Impact that I, that I want to touch on is the, the Motor City Machine Guns are the current tag team champions. Yep. There's another bunch of names that people will uh, recognize, but they debuted at Slammiversary by answering the Rascals Open Challenge. And so this week on Impact, after the Rascals defeated Ace Austin and Madman Fulton, which, by the way, is a big win for any team. The um, Machine Guns came out and said, hey, we surprised you at Slammiversary. You really didn't have time to prepare. How about a title shot next week? So next week on Impact Wrestling on Tuesday, it's Motor City Machine Guns versus the Rascals for the tag team titles. All right, sounds good. So next week on Impact Wrestling, sounds like it's going to be a pretty big show. Also, one more thing touching on Impact. We had a return. We did. We did. So uh, Deanna Perrazzo was holding her black tie affair, um, which in which not there wasn't a lot of compliance with the black tie affair. Um, but 
towards the end of that segment, after Jordan Grace interrupted with her blue jeans on, um, Tennille Dashwood came out. And Tennille Dashwood made a return. She now she, she had she had previously returned to Impact, but then she was gone out with um, illness for the last several months. So she's back and is ready for a title shot right away. So that's a very impact thing to do. So I wouldn't be surprised if we if we see that. But uh, but yeah, much, that's big news. It's pretty much the situation of like I'm not going to earn it. I'm taking it. Yes. Yeah. Bottom one. Bottom one. All right. So next week, Impact Wrestling. Some pretty big things happening, and we can catch Impact Wrestling on Access at 8 p.m. Tuesdays at 8, yep. Tuesdays at 8 This week is, uh, of course, we have the Tuesday Night Wars going on right now with, uh, with NXT. With NXT, so. which is something that we're going to touch base on in a little bit. Um, but we had a pay-per-view on Sunday. A second pay-per-view in a row. First we had SummerSlam, and then we had a week of Raw and SmackDown. And then it led right into Payback. And Payback which surprised me, was a really, really good show up and down. And we kicked things off with Bobby Lashley defeating Apollo Crews to become the new United States champion. We should, uh, we should, we should watch our show back last week and talk, and so we can talk about our predictions and how we did against them. I, I'm really proud to say that I know I only missed match <laughs> but uh but yeah bobby lashley um i think he was the right guy to win i i you know i i, I know i predicted lashley made sense to me and he defeated apollo cruz with the lashley lock at the end apollo cruz just couldn't beat it and got caught up in the lock and lashley was crowned the new united states champion also, in other matches, Big E defeated Sheamus with the big ending. Uh, Matt Riddle defeated Corbin with the floating bro. Two matches that I thought really weren't going to be good. I mean, Big E's getting a little bit of a push, which is really cool. But, you know, now who knows when we're going to see him, and we'll talk about that in a few moments with what happened on SmackDown Friday night um, because of Sheamus. And Matt Riddle beating with, which I think is one of the best heels in professional wrestling right now, in Baron Corbin with the floating bro. With Matt Riddle, we kind of see, I, I see him getting his push, and I know he just showed up on SmackDown, and he's in a decent position right now, but... Number one, do you think this stuff with Corbin is over? Or do you think it's just starting to begin? Especially with the attack after the match, backstage. I mean, I think that it's not over. And I think we, that also show, was shown through last night on SmackDown. Which is, I, know, I know we'll get into in a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think Matt, Matt Riddle went over. He beat King Corbin. I don't think he went over strong. Corbin took most of the offense in the match. And then attacked him afterwards. And then they could they continued their personal issue um, on SmackDown. 
Um, so, no, I think we're probably going to see them some more. Will it be another pay-per-view match? Probably not, but maybe. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I almost can't, I, I, I can't resist talking about SmackDown last night, though, because I, when, when King Corbin came out with his, um, I was like, oh, I love this new arena. And then right away, Matt Riddle attacks him <laughs> off the chair. So, we ground new champions as well. Shayna Baszler and Nijax, the odd couple tag team, defeating the Golden Roll Models in Sasha Banks and Bailey, becoming the new women's tag team championships in a very, very unique, amazing fashion. Shayna Baszler submitting both Bailey and Sasha, but Sasha wasn't the one to tap. Bailey was. Uh, it was it was such an interesting finish um, where Shayna Baszler had Sasha in her Caribou clutch while also holding I'm sorry, had Bailey in the Caribou clutch while also holding Sasha in an Indian deathlock. And then she grabbed Sasha's arm and used that for leverage in choking out Bailey, which then led, of course, to the tap. So, yeah, I mean, that was an incredible finish. Um, congrats to Sasha and Bailey for getting one of the, for putting on one of the best Nia, Ma- Nia Jax matches I've ever seen. Yeah. So, and there was a question. Um, I'm part of a group on Facebook um, called Top Heel Figure Federations, and sometimes we we do. We're talking about action figures and collectibles, but we also do talk about the shows that happen throughout the week. And somebody posted up a question, you know, who do you think is the most, you know, one of the most people that don't take care of their opponents in the ring? And I voiced my opinion that Nia Jax. And don't get me wrong, Nia Jax is a beautiful woman. She very much is. But when it comes to her size against her opponents. She is, you know, the bigger person in the match most of the time. And sometimes I feel like she uses that too much to her advantage, the fact where she's very unsafe at times with her opponents. You know, it looks brutal, and I know we've had injuries coming out of Nia Jax's matches before. I think that most of the wrestling community agrees with that opinion. Me not being an expert, I can't say for sure, but seems like certainly seems like we get an awful lot of injuries at Nia Jax matches. I mean, don't get me wrong, she has really good matches and she does really good in the ring, but at times I just feel like sometimes she's not taking care of her opponent when she needs to. But she's a tag team a champion now. I'm yeah, sorry? A bit too much a bit too much ragdoll. Yeah. But right now, I mean, she's a tag team champion. And I see these two building building up with these tag titles for a while. I mean, this is a dominant team. It is a dominant team. I think they keep them as long as they don't implode. I mean, that's obviously what we're heading towards at some point. Unless they become, you know, great friends throughout this, which would be very weird for Shayna Baszler to have a friend. Because <laughs> her two closest are still down in NXT pretty much doing nothing. I mean, they were on, on Raw Underground this past week. But... Yeah. Other than that, we don't see them. So an interesting 
tag, new tag team uh, set of tag team champions. Um, Bailey and Sasha, their uh, their tag run is officially over, I think. But the new the new, the new champions, like you said, dominant, very decisive victory uh, at Payback. So in other matches that we've seen at Payback, we've seen Keith Lee defeat Randy Orton in a clean pin, one, two, three in the middle of the ring, hitting him with a sit-down powerbomb, which was an awesome match. I'm happy for Keith Lee. Congratulations to Keith Lee. His first major pay-per-view. I mean, he's been in NXT TakeOvers, and he's won matches at TakeOvers, but now he's on the main roster, and he went after one of the top, top dogs in WWE and defeated him clean in the ring in a clean match. Yep. No no BS, as you would say. It was just move, 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 and pin. And that's, that's you know, that sets you up for good things. Yeah, I think Keith Lee has a bright future. I mean, we've seen that. You know, on Raw, which we'll get into in a minute. Um, you know, I, I think Keith Lee is well on his way to hitting the top of the mountain. I'd say probably in the next year or two. But right now, you know, he's going to have to build up. I mean, he's, he did great against Orton. He did good in the triple threat match on Raw, which we'll get into in a minute or two. But he's just doing really good on the main roster. The one thing that's killer is that freaking music. They need to give him his old music back. Bottom line. Bottom line. Played WWE 2K this past week, and I had him in my event that I was playing, and just hearing the old music was so, just music to my ears. Bottom line. <laughs> Another match that we had was the Mysterio. You're not alone in that opinion. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? You're not alone in that, that opinion. <laughs> oh, believe me. Everybody's complaining about it right now. Another match that we had was the Mysterios. Dominic and Ray defeating Rollins and Murphy. And with a 619 turned into a frog splash by Dominic. Dominic picking up his very first win in WWE. Congratulations, Dominic. Congratulations, Ray. You know, and then the the next night on Raw, Dominic had a shot to go after the WWE championship. Dominic Mysterio, since coming in, has been awesome in my opinion, and he can only get better. He is a young kid. He is in his early twenties. I think he is going to blossom, and to be in the ring with somebody in a Seth Rollins and a Murphy, guys who can really, you know, and, and I, I don't really want to pull the curtain back too much on this, but two guys that can really help him out in the ring when he works with them. You know, I think Dominic is a gem. He's going to be a gem. He's going to probably be as good as his dad. I can't say better because Ray moves a little faster and he's a little more quicker and he was able to be more agile. But Dominic shows his resilience. Like, he's resilient. He shows speed and he shows, you know, that he can handle himself with his size. You know, I think they're going to be very different wrestlers. Um, well, Dominic is going to use a lot of the same offense as Ray. Um, he's a bigger guy. I mean, it's clear. He's, he stands head and shoulders above Ray. And so his offense, I think, in time will be a little bit different. But what I will say right now, I agree with you. Everything he does looks really good. Like, and I know you, you focus on the things that you can do well and stay away from the things that you can't do. But you know, 
He punches better than the Velveteen Dream. He drop kicks better than 90% of the people I've seen. So, you know, I agree. I think he's got a really good future. Every, everything he does, and he's not doing basic stuff, looks good. And my, my, I just think he's, and, and to be in the position he was in on Monday night, which, again, we'll get into in a second, was really just like, I mean, first we were supposed to have Ray, and then Dominic took Ray's place, and to be in that position was awesome to see. I mean, he had a really good match against Seth, really, really good match. I mean, he couldn't he couldn't get the win, but it was just he's just been having great showings against Seth and against Murphy, and being in the tag match with his dad, and even the match he had at SummerSlam with Seth was just a top notch, downright great match. So we get into the main event of Payback, which was supposed to be a triple threat match, but it kind of wasn't, but the last minute and a half was. We had The Fiend defending the Universal title against Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns. We've seen The Fiend making his entrance. Once he gets in the ring, attacked by Strowman, and the match starts. No Roman Reigns for about what, 15, 20 minutes, and then we get a suplex off the top rope from The Fiend onto Strowman, and we see the ring collapse, and then here comes the big dog. And at first, Roman comes in, and you're thinking, oh, he's going to, you know, he's going to get the win here right away, just come in, make a pin, whatever. But we've seen some false finishes, and then finally hits a spear on Strowman and becomes the new Universal Champion, and what what a forty eight hours for Roman, you know? I mean, actually, what a week for Roman making his return at SummerSlam. Then we get him with Paul Heyman on Friday night on SmackDown, and then he comes in and wins the Universal Title almost nonchalantly at Payback. I have to say that personally, I'm not a huge fan of a match going like that where. You have two guys that basically wrestle a whole match, and then Roman comes out and just inserts himself in. It's kind of it's kind of like what you might expect out of a Money in the Bank cash in. That's what it kind of felt like, but it but it wasn't. It was just um, for some whatever reason I'm privileged and I can do this. Um, <laughs> having said that, you know I'm not supposed to like this guy right now, so it kind of makes sense, you know. Um, his new attitude, new demeanor is kind of, a, of like he's the quiet killer, but he's not in the same way that, that Brock Lesnar was. You know, Brock Lesnar didn't say anything ever. Roman speaks very softly now, and it's meant to be like this intimidation thing. But um, yeah, he's our new Universal Champion. He's our you know he he got the win over Braun Strowman. Didn't pin the Fiend. The Fiend was never pinned to lose this championship. Um, so, it certainly seems like we could go back there at some point. Um, we know it's not immediately, based on SmackDown last night, but at some point we'll probably go back to Roman and The Fiend. Yeah, and, and the whole Roman thing, I mean, his demeanor, um, you know, kind of touching base a little bit on SmackDown from last night, just watching that promo in the ring. We've had some really, really great promos from Paul Heyman. Basically, you know, touchless promos. 
you know, he'd be the best promo on the show. But last night, his promo, it just felt a little off. And I think it was because for so long, we were so used to him just with Brock. And now we have him with Roman. We have him with a guy who can actually speak for himself. And it's almost like Roman upped his game when it came to his promos. Because last last night, he spoke great. I loved, I loved the Roman Reigns promo. I did. It was one of my favorite promos on the show. I think it was a little better than, than Heyman talking. Honestly. Hey, Heyman is... So, I don't know what was going on with Heyman. I, th- I think that there's a couple of things at play here. First, perhaps they're shooting the show differently than they did when Brock was around. Um, because Heyman stood behind Reigns during the entire promo. So the camera was on Reigns with Heyman standing back behind him, just kind of look off to the side a little bit so you could see him speaking. When he did, when he worked with Brock Lesnar, he stood, you know, probably six to eight feet away from him, but you had a wide-angle camera view of it. So I don't know if it's because the show's being shot differently or if it's I'm managing a new person and I need the presentation to be different. But it certainly is, you know, he did not open it up by saying, my name is Paul Heyman. He got there about halfway through the promo, but the presentation and delivery was very different. Yeah, one of the and we'll we'll see where like we go from here. One of the things, um, one of the things that I noticed too was yeah, Paul he was Paul Heyman was standing behind Roman Reigns. Where when we got him with Brock Lesnar, they did stand a little bit more apart, and he would either stand maybe an inch or two in front of Brock or side by side with Brock, and pretty much made sure that Brock was featured. But now we're getting the fact where Heyman's standing behind Roman and featuring Roman. Like, giving Roman that spotlight saying. It's almost like in AEW, you know, people were complaining about Taz standing in front of Brian Cage. Why is Taz standing in front of Brian Cage? Brian Cage is the guy. Like, that's your focus. And then a week later, after everybody complained, Taz came on TV with Brian Cage put Brian Cage in front and Taz put it out there and said, Brian Cage, you stand in front of me so we don't hear anybody bitch and complain. Yeah. You know, and that was that was pretty much that. One side note from Payback, and um, I mean, I did my research, I kind of looked this up a little bit, and and anybody who's listening can can message me and at, uh, at Metalcore Mike on Instagram. Um if I'm wrong on this or not, but for the first time since Survivor Series of 2002, every championship on the show changed hands. Wow. I didn't, didn't even notice that. Yep. Because back in Survivor Series 2002, and if you go back and watch, every championship on the show changed hands, and we have not had a WWE pay-per-view with that happen yet. And this is the first time since then uh, as far as I know if I'm wrong I, I want somebody to message me and let me know if I'm wrong on that but as far as my research this is the first time since Survivor Series 2002 every title changed hands on the show interesting yeah so alright so we kick into Monday Night Raw and one of the big focuses was the number one contendership for the 
WWE Championship. And what we were introduced to was three matches to determine three men to go into a triple threat match to become the number one contender for the WWE Championship. First, we had Keith Lee defeat Dolph Ziggler. We had Randy Orton defeat Kevin Owens thanks to an Aleister Black attack. And then we had Seth Rollins defeat Dominic, which led into a triple threat match between Keith, Keith Lee, Randy Orton, and Seth Rollins for number one contendership. At the end of that match, we had Randy Orton win the match become number one contender. Do you feel like you've seen that coming at the beginning of this show when you've seen those three matches? Um, yes. Because I knew the Randy Orton Drew McIntyre story wasn't over. And I knew the victory Keith Lee had last night sets him up for a potential match with Drew McIntyre or or if Randy Orton were to win the title at some point, automatically Keith Lee is, you know, bounced into the, to the title picture for a, for a shot. So I, I, I wasn't surprised by that. I think it actually made sense, given what we saw Randy Orton do just a, a week prior to Drew McIntyre. Um, what did you think? Um... Honestly, I I thought that we were going to get a new number one contender. I mean, Randy Orton and the the Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre storyline. I understand. I don't think it was over. Um, I mean, we got Drew McIntyre who's out right now with an injury, um, and that got my my wheels turning a little bit too. Thinking, okay, we're gonna get Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton, but if Drew's not cleared, he won't be able to defend that title, and that triple threat match wasn't so bad and, and it's to the point where if Drew can't defend that title and he has to relinquish it that would be one hell of a match to have for the title between Keith Lee Randy Orton and Seth Rollins yeah you're right you're right so another thing that another big thing that happened on Raw is we've seen a team reunite about a month ago in the Riot Squad Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot. And they had a match against the Iconics in a situation where the winner would become the number one contenders for the Women's Tag Team Championships. Not only that, as if the Iconics were to lose, they were to split up. And we ended up getting the Riot Squad defeating the Iconics to become number one contenders, and the Iconics are no more. My opinion on this is I'm sad the Iconics are breaking up, I think them coming back was an awesome thing because I think they were going to do big things coming back because from the get-go, they were going after those tag team championships. They were they were pretty much making themselves look good and putting themselves in great position to regain those titles. You know, nobody has ever, nobody has ever uh, showered the Iconics with compliments of about their in-ring work. While like while it has improved over the years, nobody is nobody's overly complimentary of that. Um, however, their shtick, their act, is hysterical. Um, it's very entertaining, and it, it'll be interesting to see now as we move forward. And I wipe the tears away from my eyes. How they do as a single as singles acts. Um, 
only one of them can carry the iconic um, moniker, I would, I, th- I would think. So we'll see what happens. And it, I mean, Peyton Royce threw Billy Kay to the Wolves in Raw Underground. Are we going to now see a Peyton Royce versus I don't know. It seems kind of weird, but will it be iconic? I don't know. <laughs> we'll, we'll see in the next coming weeks, I guess. Hopefully, hopefully we get something big on these two because my opinion is is I think coming back and and being the heels that they were being and going right for those women tag tails, showing that initiative, making that force was just crazy. Like I was, I was getting excited. I was never a huge fan of the iconics. I was happy they won at WrestleMania. 35, but you know, it was just like, after that, it was just kind of like they fell down, and coming back the way they did was just they made me watch. They did. They made me watch them. Bottom line, they did. Speaking of the women's division, and if you're okay with this, I'd like to transition into NXT. Well, before we do, I just want to ask you, staying in the women's division, would you rather see Asuka wrestle Mickey James, Natalia, or Lana for the oh, World Champion? Right away, and, and before you even finish that question, I had an answer for you. Mickey James. I think Mickey James and Asuka would be a great match. I mean, when Mickey James made her return to NXT, she faced Asuka, and they had a really great match. And I think being on the main roster for that Raw Women's title, we would get another great match from them. Um, I'm okay if we skip the Asuka and Lana match and go straight to the Asuka Mickey James match. <laughs> exactly. We don't even need Natalia. We don't need a Natalia match. She's she's been there she's been there a while. She's had enough shots and, and honestly I'm not a huge fan of Natalia. She reminds me of when she makes her entrance and, and the way her moniker is, she reminds me like I'm playing the video game. And I've always said that. So, <laughs> and uh, well, the thing with Natalia is they can heat her up anytime they want. Yep. So, getting um, into the women's division, we go over yep. to NXT, and we have some pretty good storylines happening. We have Rhea Ripley and um, Martinez, who both both had really good promos on NXT, and we're going to see them at Super Tuesday too, and I believe it's going to be in a cage match, as far as I'm understanding. Yeah, I mean, that's compelling, is it not? I mean, we have we don't we haven't seen a lot of women's cage matches over the years, but if I if I mean Mercedes Martinez, as vicious and aggressive as she is in a cage against Rhea Ripley, who is um, built for a cage, both like both like. Have a similar stature. They're they're among the more dominant people in the NXT Women's Division, along with Raquel Gonzalez, also a, another person of larger stature. Should be a really, really interesting match. And they're both, and, and not to not to not to false them out with their stature, but they're both beautiful women. I mean, I know a lot of people have been bashing on Rhea Ripley, saying, oh, she looks like a man. No, who, no, she doesn't. She is a beautiful woman. She is. And if you see Rhea Ripley, the way she was before she went, you know, metal and everything like that, with the blonde hair when she first came in, and it, she is a beautiful woman. 
Bottom line, and even now she is. So I, I, I say that with, with so much because it, it just angers me to the fact that, that people just sit there and say something like that and, you know, they're beautiful women. They just build themselves up so they're stronger for the job that they got to do. Bottom line. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I wouldn't even give anybody that said something like that a second thought. Yeah. And I don't think Rio would either. <laughs> Another so. thing that happened in the women division was Candice LeRae having a little bit of a soft heart for the Tegan Knox promo. And, and I know she kind of built around friendships of Casey Catanzaro and... Um, Kate Carter. Kate Carter, yeah, sorry. I'm drawing a blank here. Jesus, I'm thinking today. The one thing that I would have loved to see from... From that promo from Candice LeRae, I understand it was the soft heart, like, oh man, I feel really bad, like, I, I wish, you know, me and Tegan had that again. I wish Candice LeRae would have turned full heel and just would have been like, you know, I'm jealous of this, like, I'm really sad, and then just turned around and went, are you freaking kidding me? Like, who needs that? I'm going after the NXT Women's Championship, I'm going to have, I wish she would have just cut a full heel promo instead of just having that soft heart. Well, you know what? I, th- I feel like it's, I feel like you're two weeks away from it because I feel like once they have their dinner date and Candace like throws Hegan in the oven or something, <laughs> um, then she'll come back and give you that promo you're looking for. Well, her- hopefully, hopefully we like see that, that because because heel Candice LeRae, I'm really enjoying the heel Candice LeRae. Yeah. And the heel Johnny Gargano. Not gonna lie. I'm actually enjoying the heel Johnny Gargano. And speaking of Johnny Gargano, and I know we had a lot that happened on NXT, but this was the highlight of the night. The fatal four-way match between Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole, Finn Balor, and Tommaso Ciampa. In a great, great, and I will say this, 15 times over, great Iron Man match that ended up in what I predicted would be a tie. (laughs) (laughs) Between Finn Balor and Adam Cole. And with that being said, at Super Tuesday 2, we are getting Adam Cole and Finn Balor in a one fall to the finish NXT Championship match to crown the new NXT Champion And I am so happy to hear that because of the fact we are finally, finally getting Adam Cole against Finn Balor. Finally. Who do you got? Who do you got? That is so hard to think about right now because I'm a fan of both. I feel like Finn Balor resurgent himself since he's been back in NXT. Adam Cole, I mean... With the way things are going in the Undisputed Era right now, I really hope he doesn't leave NXT. Um, But at the same time, again, with the way the Undisputed Era is going, I don't know how much longer Cole's going to be in NXT. I have a feeling his main roster roster call-up's coming soon. I think Finn Balor's going to win this match because he's going to be in NXT for a while. You have to decide whether or not you're going to... Point your fingers outwards like guns, or lift them to the sky and shout, "Hey, <laughs> uh, 
I think uh, I'm with you. I think I think Finn Balor um, is probably going to get a run with this title. Um, I don't necessarily think Adam Cole is going to the main roster because I think that that whole unit, Undisputed Era, they can do so much more down in NXT because the guys are just largely they're about thirty to forty percent smaller. And so the match, the matchups just make, seem to make more sense. I kind of feel like they're just going to be permanent residents down there. But I, but what I, I know nothing, so we'll see. Well, we'll yeah, we will definitely see what happens on Super Tuesday too. This this week coming up. Um, Which, by the way, I would love to see Finn Balor face any of those guys in the Undisputed Era. They all can go in a singles competition. Oh, they can, and I think somebody like Roderick Strong, I mean, I, I could see even Roderick Strong leaving NXT and going up to the main roster and becoming a champion like the Intercontinental Champion. Yep. I mean, that's yep. that's bottom line. I don't see him as much touching as a world champion, but I could see him becoming an Intercontinental Champion, just like a Matt Riddle. I, I think like a Matt Riddle can become an Intercontinental Champion very easily. Uh, yep. A lot of these guys who are big, big headline guys in NXT can win championships, but Keith Lee is the one I think out of the bunch who is going to become a world champion by next year. Yeah, I think it's a fair bet. So we kick into and sticking on the WWE side, we had a huge Friday Night SmackDown. Huge Friday Night Smackdown. I think it's been a long time since I could say I love this show. And I, I do. I, I really, really liked this show. Um, it was just from top to bottom. I mean, I liked the Heavy Machinery opener against Miz and Morrison. I liked the tag title match. I liked the triple threat match, uh, the fatal four-way match at the end. Like, those were the only three matches, and then throughout they had a bunch of angles and interviews and things. I just thought it was a good show. There were comedic moments with a briefcase and sandwiches and contracts. There was a skirmish over the Intercontinental title. I, I'm, I'm very happy with last night's SmackDown. Yeah, I mean, we had that huge, you know, when we opened the show, we had the, the Roman Reigns-Heyman uh, Reigns promo, which was great, again... I think Roman Reigns was a lot better than Heyman on the mic at that moment. Um, we had, the, you know, again, the heavy machinery match. They defeated Miz and Morrison, and Morrison thought he ran away with the briefcase. Ended up with Otis's lunch, and Otis, Otis's lunchbox case had the contract in it. You know, we had, uh, you know, Sheamus attacking Big E, hitting the white noise on the car windshield, eliminating Big E from the Fatal 4-Way, but then giving Jey Uso the opportunity into the Fatal 4-Way match, in the main event, and ended up winning. And now we're going to see Jey Uso, somebody that you probably wouldn't think of becoming a number one contender for the Universal Championship. And now it's going to be cousin versus cousin at Clash of Champions for that Universal title. Do you feel, and, and, and this is the way I feel, I feel like, you know, in the past couple weeks, we've had... Retribution attacking people. Okay? And people thought Roman was the leader of Retribution. 
I don't think he is, and I still and I stand by that. I have a feeling we are going to get a Heyman group, but I think it's going to involve Roman and the Usos once we get Jimmy back. I think that'd be awesome. I think uh, Heyman has kind of alluded to that in uh, when Roman was feuding with Lesnar. He's alluded to that in the past. Um, and I, I, frankly, I want them all to be Jimmy and Jay would make great heels. Um, I can't decide when we get to Clash of Champions, though, are we going to have a great, great match or are we going to have a squash match? I don't know which it's going to be. But I think, I think our chances of getting an average or a below-average match are pretty, are pretty minuscule. It's either going to be a great match or a squash match. Yeah, I, I think honestly... <clears throat> I think honestly we may get that squash match because Roman's new thing is you know, go in, win, and be done. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, he, based on his moniker and everything, and his phrasing on his shirts, win and leave, or wreck everyone and leave, it seems like what he, what his objective is, what the, what could happen. Um, so it's probably going to be a, it's very likely to be less than seven minute match. Um, but it's also, you know, there's some family loyalty there, you know, maybe outside the business some, and if they're going to plug Jey Uso into that slot, are they going to destroy him? You know, they've, they've never really given somebody an opportunity, so they're going to take that first opportunity for him to show what he's got and bury him, feed him to Roman. I don't, I just don't know. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Yeah, like you said, giving somebody that opportunity. You know, we've seen something with um, Kofi Kingston a year and a half ago. You know, somebody you didn't think was going to get that opportunity finally gets his opportunity, wins the WWE title. And now, I mean, I, I think it, it's a great thing they're putting Jey Uso in this, uh, uh, this position. I mean, going into that fatal four-way match, who did you really think was going to win? Corbin, Riddle, Sheamus, or Uso, or even Big E if Big E was in there, especially with the push Big E was getting. I felt like it was Big E when the match was announced, and I didn't. Uh, and I thought when I set when I when I put my mind to that, I thought Big E will win. He'll have a really good competitive loss at Clash of Champions. When Big E came out and they announced Jey Uso. Well, let me say it this way. When Biggie got taken out, I said, okay, whoever the mystery person is, is going to win that match. And then when it was Jey Uso, I was like, no, that doesn't make sense. I don't think it's going to be Jey Uso. So, so but, I, but, that, but then I, you know, by, just by process of elimination, I was like, Corbin and Riddle are still kind of paired, so I don't think it's going to be them. And then you're still down to Sheamus or Jey Uso. And Sheamus is the heel. So... I honestly have a feeling that, <clears throat> excuse me, 
I honestly have a feeling that that this is going to be a, a Heyman group once we get Jimmy back. I mean, when the Usos first came back with their characters that they are now, they were built to be heels. It was a built-to-be-heel type of deal, and very quickly became faces because of the great matches they had with the New Day for the tag team titles. So, yeah. now this could be the opportunity to give that team a heel push that it was supposed to be. So, uh, another thing that we've seen was the Intercontinental title. I kind of can't leave this out because you got three big-time players. Sami Zayn, AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy. Sami Zayn came back last week <clears throat> saying he's the real Intercontinental Champion. Never lost his title. Jeff Hardy is the Intercontinental Champion now. And then AJ Styles, you know, pretty much the, the ex-Intercontinental Champion. Lost to Jeff Hardy. And <clears throat> seems like AJ really wants to make a push to get that championship back. Do you think we will see a triple threat at Clash of Champions for this championship? Um, the question is, is it going to be a triple threat ladder match? And that's what I would, I, that's what I would like to see. So my, so my thing is, if it was just Sammy and Jeff, I'd say definitely go with a ladder match. Makes sense. Throwing AJ in there is a little bit confusing, but you, yeah, I mean, I think you got two intercontinental titles. You go to a ladder match. Yeah. That's how you settle these things. Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon. They taught me this at WrestleMania 10. That's how you settle an issue like this. That's exactly what I was thinking as you were talking about that. Just a ladder match, both titles hanging up. This is definitely Shawn Michaels, Razor, WrestleMania 10-esque type deal. Yep. And we really can't sit here and say, when's the last time we've seen this? Because we haven't seen it since WrestleMania 10. It's been years in the making. One more thing that we, uh, we've seen on SmackDown, and which has been one of the bigger storylines that a lot of people have been talking about, the women's tag team title match between Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, and Sasha Banks and Bayley, the rematch that happened on SmackDown, the vicious attack by Bayley, I mean, yeah, by Bayley, excuse me, against on Sasha Banks after the match, do you think we're going to see Sasha for a while? Do you think she's out because of the attack? Or do you think we're going to see this storyline finally come to a head, even at Clash of Champions? Or do you think we're going to wait for a while to see it really start building? So, so I want to I actually say a few things about this match. Um, because I think that this was some of the best... Uh, character work and booking that I've seen in a long time. They put the match together really, really well. You have to remember, Sasha Banks enters this match as a full-on heel, very, very hateable. And throughout the match, she gets an injury spot to her knees. And Shayna Baszler is there just ripping her apart. It draws sympathy to Sasha Banks. So we feel bad for Sasha Banks as she's getting beat up throughout this match. And then afterwards, the medical team is helping her, and then Bailey helps her, her best friend. And, you know, so it's just so much sympathy going towards Sasha Banks, which is perfect, perfect for when Bailey attacks her. Because you, there was so much sympathy, it almost turned to Sasha's face. And then Bailey attacking her 
now she has all her sympathy. Sasha is full on face. Bailey is is as evil as it gets. Um, so just perfectly, perfectly done. Um, now to your question: Do I think Sasha is out? I think Sasha is not coming back before the Royal Rumble for a while. Um, the reason we haven't had this match yet is because there's no fans. Uh, they want to have this match in front of fans, and I want them to too. So great, we do an injury angle. Um, you really couldn't deny where the trajectory of the story was going, though. Like it was, they had to bring it to a head. They've done that now. We've got an injury angle. And I think Sasha comes back at Royal Rumble or something like that. And speaking of that, I think, I, I highly agree with you. Because in Sasha Banks' career, she really hasn't had a big WrestleMania moment. I mean, she's been in, in women's championship matches. Um, she's been in a women's tag team title match back at 35, WrestleMania 35. But honestly, she hasn't had a big pay-per-view moment in her career other than with Bailey at TakeOvers, but that's not really considered a pay-per-view. That's more of a, a network thing. <clears throat> I agree with you. I think we see Sasha Banks be out until the Royal Rumble, come back, win the Rumble, and then take Bailey on at WrestleMania. I think Bailey's going to hold that belt until WrestleMania. Yeah. Well, I'll just take it from her at this point. I mean, the... The only issue I see is that now that Sasha's out of the equation, we can't delay title defenses by putting her in tag matches. But So she's going to have to defend the title, but against who? I mean, she's already beaten Lacey Evans, Naomi, uh, the whole Dana Brooke, the whole roster, Nikki, G- Nikki uh, Cross, maybe the new Twisted Bliss person, whoever that's going to be, she'll get a title shot. I mean, there's one, there's, there is one person on SmackDown that I don't think she has faced yet, and that was Carmella. Maybe we can see a little story that's that right. on Carmella. Yep, that's, that's, that'd be good. She's been out for a long time, but her name did get brought up this week. She did, as, as Corey Graves' girlfriend from Paul Heyman. Yeah. Yes. So we did, we did well, hear a little Carmella. To be fair, thing. to be fair, I think he said... Carmella's latest boyfriend referring to Michael Cole. Those were the quoted words, yes. Yes, it was. So, (laughs) huge things going on in WWE, but there's huge things going on all over the landscape of professional wrestling. And huge things are happening this weekend. We got a pay-per-view coming up. And it's going to be All Out. AEW's All Out 2. Uh, a huge card. And we've seen Dynamite this past week. Some things got decided to uh, to kind of make out the card of All Out. Um, Dynamite, we had Santino, Santana and Ortiz kick off against Best Friends and defeated them. And then in a match where an 8-man tag match that happened... To determine what team will face each other, the Young Bucks and Jurassic Express defeated SCU and Private Party, and now we're going to see the Young Bucks and Jurassic Express face off at All Out. One thing to note on this match was the Young Bucks didn't celebrate with Jurassic Express. They just walked out. Do we see a different side of the Young Bucks coming out? Yeah, it's really weird to me right now. All of, there's so many storylines in AEW where 
we could be looking at heel turns. We could be looking at face turns. Um, we definitely see a different, more focused Young Buck team. So 